Now you're very welcome along. It's the gardening program here on this uh, Saturday morning. Porik, good morning to good you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How is the form? The form is fantastic. It's been a great week. Um, I've been actually off for a couple, couple of days, so it's been lovely. Staycationing. Staycationing. Yeah. And um, one of my, my, my things to do over the last uh, week was to climb Crowpatrick. And? Which, which I did on, on Wednesday, and it was absolutely fantastic. And was it a clear, it clear day or a misty day? It or? was clear up to about the, uh, up to the ridge, up to the kind of flat ridge, and then, of course, it got misty and, and wet at the top of the yeah. mountain. But uh, it was absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm kind of gagging to go again. You know, that's sort away and I haven't done it for years yeah. uh, but it was lovely it was uh, I did it in early in the morning and um, nice when you're coming down and you're meeting everybody else going going up well, I find the coming down part trickier than the going yeah, up part it was but. Fa- fantastic but um, in particular on the way up I, I noticed lots of uh, trees in particular the mountain ash um, you know how they survive on ha- halfway up the mountain and, and, and the Atlantic winds and they're beautiful this year with the amount of red berries on the, the ordinary mountain ash, the Sorbus acuparia. Uh, so yeah, that was probably my highlight of the week and a bit of gardening of course as well. And the good news is that the, the weather is going to be good over, yes, some showers, but overall, mm. particularly as we go through Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, um, we're going to, the Indian summer is going to continue. So it's actually great gardening weather. We, there's enough moisture in the soil there for planting and growth. And yet we're getting enough dry weather to get the lawns trimmed and, and plants are responding to it really well. So it's, it's terrific gardening weather and it's great to get out there and, and, and do lots of the jobs that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I, definitely. There's still lots of colour around and I yeah. suppose still a bit of deadheading and all that. All it's that. a kind of elongating, uh, particularly if you have a bit of flower colour in your garden or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. There, it's not it's not over yet by No, any it's means. not. And if people continue to deadhead uh, plants, they will continue to flower certainly for another four, five, six weeks. We'll often see many of the plants that are in bloom at the moment, like the Rudbeckias and Teresa was showing me a lovely pot of um, begonia begonias that she has in the garden at the moment and they're going to stay in flower for at least another five or six weeks until we get the really hard frost. So really my advice to people is to use the good weather to do the sort of things we were talking about, particularly last week, the planting of vegetable plants. There's loads of plants available like the the purple sprouting broccoli and the lettuce and, and cabbage plants are all available to plant now. Seeds, if you sow seeds at this time of year, even if you sow them out of doors, garden peas or, or um, any of the vegetables like radish and beetroot, the onion, Japanese onion sets that I featured last week the the ordinary golden and red forms electric uh, which is the red one and the um, ordinary golden Japanese onion sets again if you get those into the ground they're going to start to grow really quickly and all the spring flowering bulbs it's hard to believe that the winter aconites and snowdrops and tulips and all that they're available for for planting tulips should be planted a little bit later but certainly all the other bulbs can be planted at this time of year and confirmations and communions are still but there's still lots of them going on at the moment so again there's lots of colour available like cyclamen and winter pansies winter heathers if you want to brighten up the garden you can still add a lot of instant colour to the garden at the moment so it's it's really good gardening weather in terms of the lawns look continue to trim the lawns I did mention about the prevention of, of moss and in particular getting on the zero if you can in this weather would be ideal and again give the, the lawns an autumn feed um, it'll give them a lovely greening colour without forcing growth so they're the type of things to be doing and certainly, as you said, the deadheading of plants, if you continue to deadhead plants, it'll, they'll kick back into growth mm. and continue to produce flower if you give them a little bit of feed as, as well. So it's all of those sort of of little jobs to be doing in the garden. Great. Now we're going to talk about planting, fruiting plants particularly. Yeah, well, well September and, and October is the time of year if you're thinking about um 
growing fruit and we've got a fantastic climate to grow fruit in. Um, I often reference the the Phoenix Park and the Victorian Garden Mm. in the Phoenix Park and they grow a whole wide range of fruit, things like tayberries and raspberries and loganberries and all the uh, fruit that's trained against walls, the figs, the pears, the plums, the apples. But this is the time of year. It's The weather conditions are particularly good. And if you plant apple trees or pear trees or plums or any of the soft fruit at this time of year, they'll establish themselves extremely well. Plants like blueberries could be planted into the garden soil now. You can grow them in pots and containers if you want. Um, particularly the dwarf apples like the coronet family, they do superbly in pots and containers. Blue Blueberries in particular do well in containers. Strawberries do really well in containers. But they can also be planted out into the garden soil. So the planting of fruit is always done in the autumn period or, or as much as possible in the autumn because they do establish themselves very well. Rubber plants can be planted again at this time of year. If you've got fruit in your garden at the moment, remember that certainly harvest the apples because the wasps are still around and they're still doing some damage Mm. on fruiting plants so try to take the apples as soon as they're ready to pick plums the same if you haven't taken them they should be harvested as well pears will need to be left alone until the end of October they need a bit of cold weather to start to ripen so they're perfectly fine at the moment if you've got strawberry plants you'll have picked all the strawberries at this stage now's the time to prune those back and really cut them hard back taking at least maybe three quarters of the foliage off the plants and they'll kick back into growth within a couple of weeks and you have a lovely fresh growth. They can be left then undisturbed out of doors for the winter period and they'll come into fruiting then uh, next season. And generally we get about three to five years out of a typical strawberry plant. You will also notice there'll be lots of runners having self-rooted mm. into into uh, soil around the strawberry plant and they can be severed from the mother plant and transplanted into new areas or put in window box or container. So it's a really good time of year for the harvesting of fruit but in particular the planting of fruiting plants. A good time of year as well to take cuttings if you want to take some cuttings of blackcurrants, gooseberries, raspberries they all root quite easily from cuttings at this time of year. Take them about a foot long, strip off the, any leaves that are on it, dip them into the rooting gel and put them out, out of doors somewhere in a trench and they'll root over the winter period and you'll have new blackcurrants, redcurrants, whitecurrants or um, gooseberry plants propagate really easy from cuttings. And speaking about planting, again, this is a good time of year to plant broadleaf trees. I mentioned the mountain ash, which is lovely at the moment, but all broadleaf trees, they're still in leaf. So if you're going to your local garden centre, you're able to pick a tree and see the leaf colour and see the berries on the Mm. tree. Or if it's a malice, they'll have lovely fruit on them at the moment. Liquid ambers will start to colour at this time of year. So you'll get a sense of what they're like. So it's a really good time of year to choose a tree because they're going to be naked once we get into November. And it's hard to hard to distinguish one from the other so this is a good time to kind of select a tree and in terms of planting conditions it couldn't be any better the the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for planting so really it's about making use of the good weather that we're going to have for the next couple of days and keep on top of the garden and keep it neat and tidy and and as from a planting perspective it's it's excellent weather at the moment yeah and i suppose a little bit of work now will make it just so much more manageable come you know even november time when probably conditions really won't lend themselves to 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 be able to do very much yeah and i was looking around my own garden i mean i'm going to go back now and 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 weeding is probably the top thing on my agenda so the whole will be coming back out because the weeds have been germinating and, and 
and you're dead right if you keep on top of them now a little bit of effort at this time of year pays off long term in terms of keeping the garden tidy for the winter period uh, but I would advocate you know just to remind people particularly for the moss control on the lawn this is the time of year late September October if you treat it now treat it again at Christmas maybe again in February you'll keep it absolutely clean and you'll keep the lawn in tip-top condition. Yeah, and you won't have a big problem come May of next year. Or April, yeah. Or April. (laughs) Okay, uh, Pork, we'll go to a few of the early morning texts first, I think. Uh, First one was, uh, what are the steps, what steps should I take uh, regarding planting a new lawn, putting in a new lawn this weekend? Uh, I have kids and a dog. Okay, very important. Okay, so, uh, well, first of all, it's it's an excellent time of year, September. The temperatures that we're having at the moment grass seed will germinate at anything over 10 degrees Celsius and we're hitting around the 14 or 15 degrees at the moment so it's perfect conditions for sowing new lawns. The key thing really is to make sure that the new soil or the area that you're planting is weed free so if there's a lot of grass and weeds and and, um, heavy growth at the moment then that should be treated with something like weed free uh, 360 which will kill it off within 7 or 8 days um, and the soil then is ready to till. If you've got the soil tilled and ready to sow well then it's just a matter of of putting in some preceding fertilizer, so something like the Osmo Pro One, rake that into the soil. Make sure the soil is firm underfoot. You will need to leave a footprint, but the soil shouldn't be sink, sink, sinking in any area, so it should be reasonably firm underfoot. Remove any stones or debris, and then it's just a matter of chucking on the seed and raking it in. In terms of kids and and pets, you want something hard wearing, so something like the Green Velvet Lawn Seed. It's a number two lawn seed. It's predominantly a mixture of dwarf creeping grasses, so it never gets too vigorous, but at the same time, it will tolerate a reasonable amount of traffic on it as well. Um, so green velvet is the one to get on. If you if you sow that this weekend or next weekend, it will be up within a fortnight, 10 days to a fortnight, and it should be a nice strong lawn by the end of October, early November. And once it's about an inch high, that's the time to trim it to help it to thicken out and you eliminate. Uh, often a question we get is uh, when the weeds come with the germinating lawn, mm. what do you do? And, and the answer is just to continue to trim it as much as possible through the winter period in dry weather and that will eliminate any broadleaf weeds. But it's an excellent, excellent conditions at the moment for sowing lawn seed. Brilliant. Now, is it too so- soon to move roses to a new area of the garden? And can I use SBK2 to get rid of the weeds and grass in the bed after removing the roses. Okay, well in terms of moving any plants it's a little early so they're still actively growing so I'll leave the roses until the first or second week of November. Wait for the frost to kind of stop their growth and stop them in their tracks. I would prune them hard back at that stage, lift them and move them to the new location and roses transplant readily, quite easily. Um, Make sure that you plant them at the same level and if you can incorporate some organic matter into the new planting area because roses absolutely love farm manure or chicken manure or your own garden compost. Mm. In terms of the weeds that are that are going to be left behind, I would leave the patch let the weeds grow over the next spring. So allow the weeds to come back because they're dying back at the moment and when you start digging up the roses, you're going to be disturbing them anyway. So there's no, going to be nothing there to treat. Leave the weeds maybe till next April. Let them show themselves again. And depending on the type of weeds, if there's a lot of grass in it, SPK won't be 
uh, suitable. SBK is a brushwood killer. It's suitable for briars, gorse, nettles, um, Japanese knotweed, that type of persistent weed. Mm. But it won't kill grass. So depending on the mixture of, of weeds that are there, possibly something like the Weed Free 360 would be more suitable. It will kill grass and it will kill a whole broad spectrum of other weeds as well without contaminating the soil. Okay. So move the roses in November, leave the treatment then till next spring. Now, we have wireworm in our carrots and potatoes. Mm. Uh, we're wondering how we might treat the masks, Teresa. Well, the, there's no treatment really at this time of year. So wireworm can live up to three years in the soil and um, it's the larvae of the click beetles. So it takes three years to, to actually mature. Um, certainly it, it will it will attack both carrots and any root crops, root mm. potatoes and so on. But the treatment really is to use the nematodes next spring. So next April or May when the soil starts to warm up, get yourself some of the nematodes and they, they're suitable for controlling wireworm. Okay. Great. And very effective and they're a good organic way of controlling them. And somebody wondering, when do we cut back red robins? Well, I, I, I gave my own a, a bit of a haircut a couple of weeks back. So you can you can trim them at this time of year, um, not too severely. You know, take maybe four to six inches of growth off them. And funny enough, they'll actually come into growth even over the autumn and winter period. They'll kick back into growth again. So tidy them back at this time of year. Fortinia red robin is a plant that you really need to trim two to three times a year. So I've pruned mine a couple of weeks back and they'll come into growth now over the autumn and winter period. Mm. And then possibly next April, I'll give them another slight haircut. And the more you trim them, the better the colour you get from the plant and the younger you keep the foliage. It doesn't build up too much wood. It keeps it nice and healthy and and, um, full and dense. So give them a trim now and then trim them again about the end of April. Okay, great. Uh, Let's go to a couple on uh, the WhatsApp early morning ones, Porik. photograph of some hydrangeas in from Beatrice and Beatrice is asking if you could advise on the hydrangeas uh, should she deadhead them and hope for new blooms or are they finished flowering now and so a couple of photographs there. Yeah and so these are the Macrocarpa um, hydrangeas and even even the Paniculata family the Phantom and Bobo and Vanilla Freeze um, you know there's still loads of colour on them but uh, they need a little bit of tidying up now so with this particular you've got a blue and and a pink um, hydrangea the old-fashioned hydrangeas, mm. the mop head. Certainly any of the flowers that are fading, you can take those off, slightly trim them off, um, tidy them up, but they're not going to reflower again. So uh, they've done their flowering for this year. So it's only a matter of tidying them up. Or to be honest, you can leave the flowers on hydrangeas, let them wither over the winter period. Some people still, do like to do that. They, they, this, this, they? Yeah, they still look at that, that lovely kind of brown papery look through the winter period. And that can help to protect the plants against late frost in springtime as well. So I really for trees is just to leave them leave them alone and let them let them uh, fade naturally there's still some bloom on them you, that colour will stay for another couple of weeks um, so I think just leave them alone okay. and do your pruning next spring now we have uh, Mary would like to know the name of this plant and we've got a photograph of it Porek okay. so uh, not sure if we can kind of see in there yeah, it looks a, like yeah. to me like a sherianthus in the wallflower family okay great yeah so it's it's um it, it's just green foliage at the moment yeah. um what I would advise Mary to do is just to pinch out the center point so it's obviously a relatively young plant it's it's probably six or eight weeks old uh, possibly planted from seed um, or it's seeded in um, but you can see the central stem it's, it's very well branched but if you if Mary takes the centre of the plant out just literally takes 
half an inch or an inch of the central stem, pinch it out or cut it with the scissors and that'll help to thicken the plant out and you'll get a lot more flowers from it. Okay, great. Now, a photograph here wondering if we, yeah, uh, yeah, if it's a holly shrub, if this is a holly shrub, it started growing under the landyard trees. Uh, Think a bird may have dropped a seed as I didn't sow it. Can I move it to a different part of the garden? Mary is in Galway. Yeah, Yeah, so so this is a holly plant. It's a seedling holly. Um, So yeah, absolutely. You can, you can try transplant it. I would lift it now to be honest it's not going to be doing any new growing and generally evergreen plants we can lift those, we can move those earlier than deciduous plants so I mentioned leaving the rose till November because it it drops its leaf in November but evergreen plants like this holly and it's a relatively young holly, it's only about two feet tall so if Mary carefully digs around the plant, Mm. lifts it root and all and transplant it. Remember that hollies can grow anything up to three or four metres in diameter and they can grow anything up to three or four metres in height. Uh, So give it plenty of space. It does respond well to pruning back as well so you can shape it if you want and put a particular shape on it. Um, But but yeah, an excellent time to move it. Okay. Uh, Should we cut back the peonies and when should we feed them and with what? Well, certainly the, the peony roses are well gone out of flower now and the, and the foliage is dying back naturally. So it'd be a great time to tidy up plants. And any of your herbaceous border plants, so peony roses, as you know, flower in May mm-hmm. um, and, and they're dying back naturally at this time of year. But this would be a great example of a plant to cut back now and plant some spring bulbs at the base with. So something that would flower maybe in February or March, like crocuses, maybe some of the muscari, some of the irises, there's some beautiful irises that are fairly short. They would give you lovely colour before the peony roses starts to grow in early spring and then as the peony starts to grow as the bulbs are dying back the peony will will hide out the foliage and that can be done with plants like hostas so I'm planting some alliums and some dwarf daffodils in an area that I've got hostas growing because they can be quite bare until April they can be quite, um, you know, this, there's, there's very little colour. Yeah. So it's a great way of, of kind of interplanting bulbs through herbaceous border plants. So any of the spring herbaceous plants can be certainly pruned back this time of year. Peen roses would be a good example. Lupins could be cut back now. Delphiniums that have finished flowering and are kind of going back, tying them up. What about the feeding aspect? No, don't, don't do any feeding um, really until next spring because the plants want the dormancy. They need to go to sleep for the winter. By feeding them, you're only re you encourage them to start growing again and the frost will damage them. So really it's at this time of year it's only a matter of tidying them up and then next spring by all means give them some feed, some organic matter or indeed a granulated fertiliser. Now we have uh, a problem with caterpillars. They're attacking somebody's red cabbage and they're wondering might there be any solutions. Absolutely. Um, Again you can, if you pop into your local garden centre you'll get uh, treatments for caterpillars. Use something that's safe. So garlic wonder works really well. You can get that in a ready to use um, unit and you spray it onto the foliage of the red cabbage and that'll control the caterpillars or you can use um, the bug clear that I mentioned before which is based on oilseed rape and is very safe for vegetables as well. If it's only a small amount of caterpillars you can simply pick them off and, and get rid of them that way as well. Okay. My lawn has died away in spots and now we have little mounds of soil appearing in the dead patches as if something is, has burrowed its way to the surface. I'm wondering what might that be? Well, I would the first thing I would check for is leather jackets because um, leather jackets are, are the larvae, the crane fly, and they're, they're laid at this time of year. They'll still be active in the soil um, and they create 
brown patches, yellowing patches and definitely the soil would they come to the surface so you'd often see soil being brought to the surface of the soil as well. Um, an easy way to check for them is to mix up some water with um, washing up liquid yeah. throw it onto the area and because that that excludes the oxygen from the from the soil, and they'll often come to the surface, or else put a piece of plastic overnight, and again they'll come up to the surface of the soil. But it sounds to me very much like um, like uh, leather jacket damage. There are a couple of other grubs that can affect, like char- chafter grubs, that can affect lawns as well. So generally, where you see that yellowing patches, you'll often see birds, starlings fe- feeding on the area as well, is a, is a key indication. Okay, great. Now, really great bit of colour oh, in this lovely. photograph, Beautiful. isn't there? Yeah. It's an wondering, is it an indoor or an outdoor plant? I left it outside for the last few weeks and it has bloomed like mad and it has been <laughs> in the house for a couple of years before Brilliant. that and it grew from a, a cutting. cutting. Absolutely and that fantastic. is just a bit wow, to be honest. Is it a lovely plant? What have we got here? So this is, this is a plant called coleus. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Often grown for its foliage colour because the foliage is absolutely gorgeous. In coleus. Now, they are fine for the summer out of doors, perfectly happy, but the first night of frost is going to kill this plant off. Oh, right. So you can keep it out for certainly another two to three weeks, but as the temperatures start getting colder, I'd start to bring it in. Now, it's very big. My advice really would be to take some cuttings from it and coleus root really easy. They'll actually root in water. So you could take maybe a dozen cuttings from them, take them roughly about six inches long, remove all the leaves bar the one at the very top and um, put them into water you don't even need to use rooting powder with these guys because they root so easily or you can put them into a mixture of perlite and compost and coleus will root in about a four to six week period indoors so you'll have yourself a dozen new plants pinch out the centre of the, the plant as soon as it roots because that'll help to thicken it out and um, you can decide what you want to do with the mother plant because this one is very big so it's it going to be hard to find a home for it probably mm. indoors you'd need a so you need to keep it frost free relatively good light um, it does produce a flower a lovely purple flower very like a salvia flower uh, when it comes into bloom but generally it's grown for the for the leaf colour and rather than trying to keep the plant the mother plant for many years it's easier to keep the cuttings to kind of propagate it from cuttings every couple of years because it just and gets very big it just gets too big that's the problem with them the more pinching back a bit like our Fortinia red robin the more you kind of pinch this plant mm. back and you keep it bushier more colourful also the better the light you give it the more you get you see that lovely purple and red pigmentation in the leaf uh, you get lots more of that intense purple colour and particularly if you keep it on a semi-dry basis as well so a bit of neglect Let's. a bit of kind of sun bright sunlight super easy don't plant be spoiling it don't be spoiling no, a bit of hardship this plant p- performs so much better okay. on. So it's a plant called coleus. I'd propagate it from cuttings now if I had it. And um, I mean, they're so easy to root. You could give them away to family and friends as well. Great. And just for, for, for listeners that um, uh, aren't familiar with it, it is, uh, it, it's got beautiful outer green foliage and then it goes into this purpley colour and then it goes pink and I think and there's yellow. a little bit of vanilla yellow, yellow in the very yeah. centre. It's a gorgeous And it's plant. really gorgeous, yeah. absolutely. And it'll hold that colour 12 months of the year indoors. Okay. So coleus, the, I suppose they really are an indoor plant here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. They're fine out, out during the summer, but the first frost will actually melt it. Melt it. A bit like a geranium, so you do need to protect it. But a lovely, lovely plant. Okay, here's somebody who's been collecting seeds. I've 
I've collected Aquilegia, Honesty, Sweet William seeds from the garden. Great. When should I sow them and is it in pots or in the ground? Uh, a couple of other questions there as well. We'll quickly kind of uh, run through them and then we'll give you an opportunity yeah, so, to answer them all. Uh, oh or yeah, no, go, go with that first. Yeah, first. So, Sorry, so yeah. in relation to Aquilegia's Honesty is a lovely plant, Sweet Williams. So the listener has obviously collected the seed now is the time to sow that seed. So plants like Aquilegia, if you sow them from seed now, they'll come into flower next April and May. Same with the Sweet Williams. Again, sow the seeds at this time of year and they, they'll flower in late spring, early summer. I would sow them indoors so you can get a yogurt tin, a tray, a seed tray, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Mm. A mixture of perlite and, and compost. Have it moist but not too wet. Sow the seeds, cover with a little bit of perlite and then cover the entire tray or pot with cling film. Or if you've got a yoghurt with a clear tin, just put the lid on the top of it and let the light in. Sit that in a windowsill, it'll germinate in two to three weeks and then you can safely plant them out of doors from about the end of October. They're quite hardy out of doors they're, and they're... they're um, they're 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 not frost sensitive. They're they're perennial or they're hardy to the frost. And um, so I would sow them now and certainly plant them out of doors um, later on. In terms then of the tomatoes, yeah. So well, so we have then the, another question is: Should I still be feeding pots and flowering plants? Yeah, in, in terms of if if it's general plants that you have in the garden, like um, begonias in full flower or whatever, s- certainly give them a liquid feed and, and keep them watered as well um, until they stop flowering. So about once a week at this time of year um, would be perfectly fine. Great. And then we have tomatoes. They're still just in flower. They're in a shed that isn't very hot or bright. Can I do anything to get them to fruit? No, I water regularly and feed once a week. Yeah, it's too late. It's too... You, if they're only flowering now, they're, they're not going to produce viable fruit um, I mean if, if they produce green tomatoes you can certainly make chutney out of them but there isn't enough sufficient time now for them to set fruit and produce um, uh, proper fruit for you my advice really is to sow them earlier next year and ideally the shed it sounds like it, may, it might it be a little too bit dark. too shaded yeah, yeah. as well they really need a greenhouse tunnel conservatory some of them will grow outdoors as well like the red profusion um, but really, I think for next year. So somebody wondering, can they buy holly plants? And if so, when is the best time to plant them? Yeah, you can buy hollies in, and hollies come in a whole range of different varieties. If you're only getting one plant, make sure it's a fertile variety. So there's a variety called J.C. Van Tal that has both male and female flowers on the one plant. Um, having said all that, generally speaking, because we've so much wild holly uh, in the west of Ireland, hollies, normally the female varieties will produce berries uh, um, quite easily. The lovely variety called Golden King. Golden King is actually a female variety, but it's got lovely variegated foliage and bright red berries. And I have it in the garden and I find the birds actually don't, are not attracted to the berries. Mm. So the berries tend to stay right through Christmas and right into the new year on Golden King. But yeah, great time to plant them. And you can get them at any size. Small little baby plants or plants that are six Wait. feet tall already. Okay, so it depends Lo- on the... makes a lovely hedge. De- Lovely, lovely Which, hedge And it's probably holly. one that we don't think about that no, often we don't, for hedges. No, And you don't necessarily have to get the thorny holly. Yeah, I, you can I was going to say... The smooth, was... smooth leaf. So again, Golden King and Silver Queen may be- make a beautiful hedge. Um, really, really nice hedge. Easy to trim, evergreen, hardy, doesn't suffer any pest or diseases. A really, really good hedge. And it's relatively slow growing, which is nice as a hedge because yeah. it 
takes very little trimming. And trim it round Christmas and you've got yourself you your holly. holly and berries and so on. So it's a lovely hedge, I think. Now, somebody with lupin seeds, uh, they're yeah. wondering, uh, of loads of lupin seeds now after the summer, will I scatter them now or will I leave them and plant them in pots for next year? Yeah, I would sow them in seed trays. I mean, the thing is, you can sow them directly out of doors. Yeah. The problem with that is that you can often get um, our old friends, the slugs and snails will attack them. Um, some some little creatures with four legs can attack them as well. So they're better <laughs> sown in seeds and trays. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's nature. That's I mean, nature seeds, yeah. seeds are fruit at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. for, for, for our, our various um, garden visitors. So th- my advice really would be to, you're in control when you sow them in, in trays and containers. So, And even in a small little pot, you can sow up to a dozen lupin seed. Again, half perlite, half compost, um, cover with cling film, sit them on a windowsill. They're going to germinate in two weeks. Let them grow on for a couple of weeks and then plant them out of doors because they'll be a decent size and they won't be as attractive to some of our to more garden Excuse visitors. Me. Now, a little bit difficult to see here, but I think we have two ash trees oh, in the yeah, background yeah. Yeah. and we have ash dieback affecting several trees, wondering what might we do with them. There's not a lot you can oh. do with them, unfortunately. There's no... And, and you, you see it everywhere at the moment. Ash trees... Um, you know, with about 50 or 60% of the foliage has fallen off them. The ends of the branches would be dead. Um, unfortunately, this is a disease um, that has been imported um, from Europe on ash trees that were were brought in and has spread right across the country and uh, all parts of the country are affected by, by ash, dieback. ash dieback. And then you'll find trees that are perfectly healthy. So there are some that are affected and some that are not. So what the forestry or the Department of Agriculture are doing now is is trying to um, look at the DNA that's in plants that are remaining healthy mm. and collecting seed from that and trying to see are cer- certainly certain types of ash resistant to uh, to ash dye black. So okay. some are very susceptible and are naked and, and, and have completely died and others are perfectly healthy. And, and are still okay. So so that, that's the kind of work that's going on at the moment to see can we come up with um, disease-resistant mm. uh, strains and, and breed and collect the seed from those and hopefully bring the ash back. But it's it's devastating. And you can see the ivy now is beginning to take, take over, over on the dead trees because the light is getting into the ivy. And it's going to be problematic as we get go through the stormy, as we go through stormy weather now through the winter, dead ash are going to be a problem along the hedgerows. They're going to be falling over and bits of branches breaking and falling down. Um, so they're going to be problematic. Okay. Uh, but but they're very, very distinctive at the moment. Uh, how much of it is... Um, is around. Is there, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. A shallow string. Uh, yeah, that's a, a new Shallow one. strings, common name for the for the formiums are often called uh, shallow strings. Um, uh, so what spray or treatment would you put on a shallow string? Well, if you want to get rid of them, you can you can use something like the Weed Free 360 will control them um, if you want. The, probably the best way to treat them would be to cut them back severely now. Let them regrow next spring when you get that lots of healthy new growth on them. When they're about two feet high, treat them with the um, with the with the weed free. I mean, the other way you can do them is to just simply dig them out. It's a bit of work to it, but that can that's, be that's another way of removing them. Okay, rhubarb. Wondering about using it in the first year. No, not ideally. I mean, uh, leave rhubarb, and, and rhubarb is one of those plants that actually got a second life this year. They come back into growth in July and August when we got that kind of damp, uh, mild, warm weather, um, and, and people were picking them right up until uh, mid-August. But ideally, rhubarb. Remember, you're you're robbing the plant of its stems and its foliage when you're harvesting it, so uh, that's going to weaken the plant. So ideally, leave the rhubarb for the f- its first year. This 
this winter let it die back naturally get yourself a couple of bags of organic matter chuck it on top of the rhubarb and leave it alone until next spring and even next spring if you can leave it alone for a second year ideally in in its third year is the time to start harvesting rhubarb and And don't really pick it after the end of june early july or you know you need to give it a, a, a a chance to rejuvenate itself and build itself up otherwise you'll end up with really thin sticks of, of rhubarb and not, so, not very plenty satisfying. of rotten manure that's what they absolutely love now what do I do with heliobores I have them flowering at Christmas do they grow well in pots asks Sean and June yeah they do they do quite well in pots I mean heliobores are beautiful we call them the Christmas rose or the Lenten mm. rose depending on when they flower some come into flower at Christmas time as Sean has here there's a lovely one called Christmas bells which is lovely um, and, and you get them in ranges of different colours from whites to pinks to purple colours normally the treatment is you you let them flower then you cut them back after flowering so if they're flowering at Christmas you cut them back quite hard in February they produce lovely new growth mm. and then on that growth and, and through that growth they produce the flowers at Christmas time I often do a little bit of trimming coming up to November, December, just as they're beginning to flower so that you can actually see the flowers better. Cut away some of the old foliage. Good tip. Yeah, so it just it just exposes the flowers that little bit better. So that's what I would do, Sean, is, is wait until about the first week of November, trim off some of the leaves so that you can actually see the flowers. Um, but they do really well in pots and containers as well, as long as you pick a big enough pot. And of course they're perennial, they come back they year after year. year. Um, so they're a lovely plant for a bit of winter colour, winter and spring colour. Yeah, I know we, we cut them back uh, when you're absolutely to the root. Yeah. And they just came on fantastically well the next yeah, year. Yeah, and you see it gets rid of all the old yeah. tatty leaves because naturally enough, because they retain the leaves during the winter, any bit of hailstone, any bit of frost is always marking the leaves. So if you can cut them back after flowering, it just rejuvenates the plant again. A bit like what I was saying about the strawberries. If you cut back the foliage, you just get lots of fresh new growth and it gets rid of all the old old well, growth yeah. now Rena's wondering are liquid amber trees available in the garden centre now yeah they should be available now I've been off for a couple oh, of days okay. so I'm not quite <laughs> we sure maybe ring, ring before you call yeah. in but this is a great time to plant liquid amber trees um, and a beautiful tree for autumn colour and such an easy tree to grow and doesn't get too big so it's ideal for most gardens now, cutting back strawberries that are blossoming now for the second time, Vita asks, should we, should, should she do that? Ah, uh, she does, because they're not going to flower, or they're not, not going to flower, they're not going to fruit, fruit. I should mm. say. They're flowering at the moment, but, um, you know, you're not going to get fruit now. Uh, it's too late in the season, so I would just trim them back. And we are seeing quite a lot of secondary growth on plants this year, just down to the sort of weather. Uh, so, for example, my the Pieris Forest Flame came back into leaf again in August, which you would never normally sees so plants have actually put on a second um a second, a second spurt yeah. yeah this year and, and obviously the strawberries are responding to the weather as well but no there's no point in allowing them i tidy them back now and prepare them for next year now i have bee bombs to set yeah, great what condition does the soil need to be in well ideally so bee bombs mm. are a mixture of seeds that are are going to attract the bees into your garden and this time of year september is is nature's time for sowing the seed of wildflowers it's an excellent time to put in bee bombs or wildflower seed in general. Ideally, the ground, most wildflowers like an impoverished type of soil. So I often recommend putting in a couple of handfuls of lime into the soil before sowing the seeds. That brings down the nutrition level, which is exactly the conditions that wildflowers need. You need to have the soil, um, obviously, weed, relatively weed-free, and you need to have it tilled so that you're creating kind of a seed bed for the seed bomb. And then you just sow the seed directly into the soil, rake it over, and leave it 
are known. And within four to five weeks, you'll see the young plants germinating. They're not going to do any flowering until next season. And where you're putting in bee bombs or wildflowers, put in some spring bulbs as well, because you need colour in January, February and March before the wildflowers. They're not going to flower until June. All the wildflowers, June to September is their time of year, where you want some a little bit of spring colour from the snowdrops and the crocuses and the irises earlier than that. So always put in a few bulbs with your wildflowers. It's a great, great way of, of having adding colour uh, over a longer period and both plants are very complementary. So companion plants yeah. there. And both will attract, like one of the, the favourite plants of the bees in February is crocuses. The ordinary common okay. crocus. It's full of pollen and it's one of the first early sources of food that the the honeybee comes out, that's what they're looking for, the crocus in, in February. Okay, so or even snowdrops in January, cro- uh, bees will come out and, and feed on them in, in that, that early in the season. Okay, so they come out once the food, food source is well, there. Well, once, once things start to warm yeah. up, uh, the bees will start to become active and, and, and they're looking for a pollen source. They feed on pollen and obviously nectar, they take the nectar in as well. But, but crocuses in particular, if you rub your hand with crocuses and you'll see all the yellow, the yellow pollen yeah. things. So they, they, they favour um, crocuses in February and, and snowdrops in January and all the other sp- lovely spring flowering bulbs. Now, can you tell me what is the greybeard like falls growing on my mountain ash and oak trees and how would I get rid of it, asks James. <laughs> well, first of all, there's no need to get rid of it, James, because that's, that's um, it's hairy lichen. So it's that kind of a grey, bluey grey, sea green lichen that we see on trees. Um, perfectly natural. It's not parasitic. It's not doing your trees any harm whatsoever. And I remember, you know, I went to the Botanic Gardens in, in 83, 84. And in Dublin at the time, because of the smog, Oh, because yeah. of the coal we and the burning it, yeah. of coal, right? Yeah. And even in the Botanic Gardens, we used to use coal in the fires and to warm the greenhouses and all that. You would never see lichen on any of the trees in Dublin because the smog, the, the polluted air, killed the poor old lichen. <laughs> and until this such time as they got rid of uh, coal and, and went smokeless, lichen has come back into the trees in Dublin. So lichen is an indication that your air quality is absolutely superb, James. So I would leave it alone. Um, it's it's not doing the plant any harm whatsoever. Um, sometimes you'll hear, you know, that, that the aphids might nest in it and so on. But to be honest, I would leave it alone. I think it looks really attractive on trees. Uh, so uh, there's no need to get rid of it. It's not parasitic. It's not doing your trees any harm. And it's an indication that your air quality is fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> now, I have Mirabilis jalapa grown in pots from seed. Will they die or can I take cuttings? You could take cuttings from them and they're, they're frost sensitive, so they're what going are, to what die. Are, what are Mirabilis they're, jalapa? They're, they're beautiful, grown really as a bedding plant for the summer. Very similar to, I suppose, a busy lizzie, that type of colour. Oh, okay. Whole range of different colours, but they are frost sensitive and if you leave them, they'll flower for probably another four weeks. Um, you can take cuttings from them. They, they root very easily from cuttings that must be kept indoors through the winter period and then planted back out of doors once the risk of frost has passed in late May or early June. And really they're grown in, in pots, containers, window boxes. But now would be a great time to take the cuttings of, of any of those kind of patio plants. So if you've got geraniums in the garden or you've got busy lizzies or any of those sensitive plants, now is the time to take cuttings and bring them indoors. And many of them will actually just root like the coleus in 
in water. Now, I have a polytunnel for the first time this year and it was a big success, Great. but no fruit lasted on the watermelon. Oh. Tiny fruit fell off and on the aubergine plants, I had lots of flowers, but no fruit. Uh, Teresa is in Ballygar and she's wondering, might you have any suggestions? Okay, well, well, first of all, both plants, aubergines and watermelons, do very well in, in the west of Ireland. And now you do need the tunnel conditions for them. Watermelons need to be pollinated. So you need to get out the um, get your paintbrush. paintbrush out and, and actually uh, fertilise the flowers, work between them. Otherwise you're relying on the insects to do that and sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, so I, it sounds, I mean, it's no fruit lasted on the wall. So it sounds like the fruit were there but fell off and that would be a sign that the flowers were not fertilised. Um, so I think that, that sounds like the problem here mm-hmm. because watermelons do really well. You do need to sow the seed early in the in season, start them off early, keep them frost free in the tunnel and apart from that, treat them a little bit like tomatoes, keep them well watered and fed. But the fertilisation of the flowers is critically important with watermelons. Um, aubergines will be something similar. Again, they need um, pollination. And if you keep your tunnel closed too much, you know, the doors closed and the vents closed, mm. you're not getting that insect pollination through the plant. So I think a little bit of hand pollination next summer or next spring, spring, early summer, um, will, will, will definitely uh, will get better results. Okay. We've Don't give up on them. The aubergines, the eggplant is is a um, lovely plant to grow and, and is relatively easy to grow. Okay. We have a close up here now. Uh, this is from Martina. Uh, so we have a leaf there with a lot of brown on the edge of it and you can see a rather shook looking Yeah, there's a little bit of lichen tree. on that tree yeah. now like we were talking about before. It looks like a maple to me to be honest. It looks I like don't know what nacer. breed it is. Uh, it looks like it's dying. Okay. Well, um, so look at... Uh, Martina, the, 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 it's, hard, it's hard to see the tree yeah. from, from the photographs, but it looks like a maple. Um, it may be that the tree is planted too deeply. It's certainly the growth is very, very slow in it um, and there's a lot of brown markings on it. It's, it. It looks to me, to be honest, that it's been planted too deeply and it's suffering because of that. Now, you could lift it, actually uh, dig it up in the in the winter in November and, and just raise the level of the tree and give it a good feed next spring and I think it'll kick back into growth for you again. Okay. When is the best time to prune Bodleia? How far back should it be cut? And also when to prune back the old apple trees, Charla and Tony in Drummond? Okay, and a great, great plant, the Bodleia is the butterfly bush. I cut mine two weeks ago. Um, so anytime from now on, again, a great time of year to take cuttings from Bodleia, the root very, very easily. And of course, it's called the butterfly plant because mm. the butterflies absolutely love it and they're, they're, going, going, they're gone out of flower now. You can cut them, uh, Tony, as hard back as you want. You can really be rootless with Bodleia. So give them a good trimming back, at least 50%. Take some cuttings from the plants that you've um, pruned and they'll root for you quite easily. Dip them into a little bit of rooting powder. In relation to the apple trees, there's no need to prune them just yet. Leave them well enough alone until November. And that's the time we shorten them back. And generally, as a rule of thumb, you shorten your apple trees back by two thirds. So whatever growth they made this year, say they made three foot of growth, you shorten them back by two foot. You cut two thirds of the new growth back and you tidy up the plant. Give them a little bit of winter wash in November as well. That'll remove any any pests that might be on them. Great. Somebody's wondering, is it possible to get bare root beech now for planting as a hedge? Too early, yes. Too early. They're still, they're still actively in leaf, but the, the time for bare root uh, beach and beirut plants in general will be the end of November, the first, uh, sorry, the end of October, the first week of November. So once they've gone 
um, dormant and really that will depend on the frost. So once we get a bit of cold, hard, frosty weather, that's the time to, to look for the beech. And you've plenty of time to plant them. You can plant them right through the, the autumn and winter period. Okay. Now you could be getting the ground ready now, mm. getting the area ready, getting it weed free, maybe tilling it over, adding in a bit of organic matter, you know, so by all means get the, the area ready for planting and then as soon as you get your plants you're ready to go. Great. Uh, we've got a photograph in there, poor That looks to me like yeah. a strawberry. I, I was just thinking the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is from Bernie. Good morning, Bernie. Um, she's wondering, or he's wondering, I'm not too sure, uh, what is this? Is it a weed? No, it's a, it's a little strawberry plant, a little strawberry seedling. Um, so either uh, a fruit has dropped here or, or birds Bird, have dropped yeah. the seeds or the plant... Um, well, it, it has miraculously appeared. In but anyway, it's growing. Rocks, it's really. growing between two stones, mm. and it's actually in an ideal location. So leave it alone. That plant will come into flower and fruit for you next year, Bernie. So perfect. There you go. There Straw- you go. Strawberries you didn't Strawberry know you plant, had. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it okay to slip off a rose bush now and plant them in the ground? And what do I add to the soil? Okay, so roses can be um, taken from cuttings at this time of year. It's mm. a good time of year to do them. Generally, again, take them about a foot long. Remove any. Uh, leaves, any flowers, any flower buds, leave one leaf right at the top of the cutting and um, have them about pencil thickness, so not too thick, about pencil thickness and simply dip them into the rooting gel and then open up a trench in the garden. So if you have an area maybe in your vegetable garden, open up the trench, fill it with uh, a little bit of perlite or sand and then pop in the cuttings. You can keep them, the rose cuttings quite close together. So in a short distance, you'll fit 20 or 30 cuttings quite easily. Push back the soil, leave them alone until next spring and they'll have rooted. You can dig them up in April and plant them then wherever you want them to flower. So, well, so roses like trumpeter and flower carpet and all those rouge quite easily quite at this time of year. Great. Um, now, another photograph, Porig, uh, wondering again, plant identification. Uh, is It's like this all year, says Anne. Would we know what it is? It looks like. Well, the one on the left certainly looks like um, a plant called Phygelius, okay. which comes in different colours. It comes in, in yellows and reds and, and so on. Um, to be honest, it looks like it's producing seed head mm. here. So I would just prune it back, just trim it back this time of year just you know cut it back by at least um oh, two feet so back to within kind of a foot from ground level and let it regrow again next season okay great and actually um there was a question earlier and i think i might have skipped over it somebody was looking if you could uh, remind and uh, spell please no. the name <laughs> the name of the plant uh, that gets uh, as works as manure and goes back oh, yeah, into the green soil. manures yeah. okay well there's a there's a range of green manures and i suppose really what i was advocating if, if if you're digging out an area say your vegetable garden and you're just going to leave it fallow for the winter rather than letting the weeds grow so uh, a cover crop called green manures. Now they come in different types. Probably the most popular one is one called Phacelia. Uh, so the P is silent in Phacelia. So it's P-H-A-C-E-L-I-A, Phacelia. Um, and you'll get that in your local garden centre. You can sow the seed now. It'll germinate within two or three weeks. It'll cover the ground. It'll help to suppress the weeds. I mean, you'll still get a small bit of weed growth. But more importantly, you can dig that. You can either let it flower next spring and let the bees come onto it and then dig it into the soil. Or you can dig it as a green cover crop in late February, early March, back into the soil. And that adds lots of nutrition. You've also got other green manures like uh, red clover which again is available from seed at the moment in your local garden centre, or mustard. So all of those are all considered green manures. 
to be honest, just ask for a green manure in your local garden centre. They'll have something to and give you. To you simply it. chuck the seed over the area, rake it in and let it germinate and grow. OK, I'm afraid we're going to have to pause it on that note, uh, Porrick. So thank you for all of that. You're more than welcome. Yeah. We'll do it all again next next Saturday. So look, make, make use of the good weather. I suppose that's my advice. There's lots that you can do in your veg, in your herb garden, in, in terms of trees and shrubs, in terms of planting, wildflowers, you know, bulbs. Lots to do. Lots to do. Weeds in my case. <laughs> and, and mine. Okay, listen, thank you very okay, much for you. all of that. Uh, stand by, Michael Neary coming your way after the news at 10, which is on the way next with John Morley. Uh, the very best in country Europe right through then until one o'clock this afternoon here on Midwest Radio. From me for the moment, good morning to you.